What up? What up? Happy New Year. 2019. I mean, hell, shit. Could be 2040 by the time you watch this in like 3D and some type of, you know, virtual reality helmet. But more likely, <laughs> it's 2019. Thanks for hanging. Uh, Robin Black, if you're listening on uh, podcasts, enjoy the hostilities. Thank you. Whatever you're doing, drive carefully or don't let your boss find out that you're sitting there listening to some guy talk about martial arts. But that's what we do. And it's what we love to do, and I appreciate you uh, hanging out with me. It's a, it's a pleasure and a gift and a privilege. Uh, today in, on Enjoy the Hostilities, number 12, or 12, number 12, we are going to talk about, start with segment, first segment, we'll call it After the Hostilities, We've done some of those before. Um, John Jones last night defeated Alexander Gustafson, if you're watching this in a year, on December 28th or 29th, uh, 2018, John Jones defeated Alexander Gustafson, and um, and Amanda Nunes defeated Cyborg uh, Chris Cyborg. And um, uh, the reason I say you could be watching this six months later, I think this is still valid. We don't just look at it; it's not my way, and it's not the way we do it. We don't just look at it and and find, you know, well, what happened with that kick. That, that matters. Sometimes we'll do that. But what we're doing, what I'm always trying to do, a lot of it's for my own pleasure as well as my own growth, is to try to learn some lessons from these moments. So after the hostilities, yes, we will talk about how John Jones beat Gustafson. Of course, that's important. But what I'm looking for is a lesson or multiple lessons. That's why we study martial arts. It's something we can do as we watch martial arts. So John Jones and Gustafson will dig into the how and the why. We'll also dig into game planning. What is what is this? What is this thing? You know, do we know what a game plan is? And I know our knee-jerk answer is yeah, yeah, of course we do, but we don't. We don't uh, because it's ever-changing. It's a moving target. There's no such thing as you know, specifically a game plan. Before we go to Nunes and Cyborg, let me tease you with this. 10 years ago, somebody said, what is the game plan? Your answer was, keep it standing. Or, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this guy down. It's not a game plan. <laughs> That's a goal. That's like a goal. It's something we'd like to do. A game plan should answer the question of how will we do that? What will we do if it doesn't work? What's he trying to do in a different way? What happens when our game plans intersect um, and that, that sounds obvious because it's supposed to sound obvious. Your game plan is not in a vacuum. It is in a world where somebody else has his own motives. And that is one of the most beautiful things about fighting. We have conflicting goals. And again, in the world of trying to learn something from it, your boss and you have different goals. You have someone you're per making a purchase from and you have different goals. Sometimes your girlfriend or boyfriend or wife or husband has different goals. So by, by studying how your goals and strategies and tactics and desires intersect with somebody else who has their own life and their own, they want to win, so do you. And life shouldn't be like that, but sometimes the lessons are. Um, so that's going to be part of what we talk about. But let's start out with Chris Cyborg and uh, Amanda Nunes. So where should we start? We'll start with what happened, and then we'll start with how and why it happened whatever lesson we can learn from it, and then a big picture. Um, for big picture purposes, people will often, you know, the, many of the conversations that are fun to have, this is, Amanda, spoiler alert, Amanda annihilated cyborg, um, is, 
is she the greatest of all time, um, et cetera, right? And these are interesting conversations. They're fun conversations, debate, and that's what it is to be a f fan. Fan is short for fanatic. This is what we fanatics do. But so let's, let's go in, in progressive order. So what happened? Well, if you watched this last night or back in December of 2018, um, what happened was Cyborg was aggressive because that is at the root of who she is, not just how she fights, but who she is. What, sorry, who she is as a fighter. Because in her life, I, by, I know a lot of people who know her, and this, this is just sweet, kind, generous, you know, non-combative human being. So sometimes that fighter, how your, your fighting identity is a reflection on how you live. And sometimes it is what allows you freedom to live a different way. It's really quite beautiful and quite fascinating. Um, so, uh, but as a fighter, she is aggressive, right? So I don't know when you watch this last. Again, it really depends on when you are, are watching or listening to this. But we will remember what we saw a lot. And what we saw a lot was Amanda Nunes with Cyborg, her back against the cage in balance, because that's a key, to in the type of balance with her weight distributed in such a way that she can fire big, powerful punches. That is not something to skip over in balance. Because while we discuss, my God, she has ungodly power. Again, I've said this a lot, but nobody has power. There is no knockout power in both hands. Nobody has, you know, uh, why do they have so much power? Who has the most power? This is how we talk about it, but this isn't the truth. Power is generated. Power is created. And power, one of the many ingredients for creating power is being in balance. Being in balance, connected to the earth, in, or moving in such a way to generate force. From your whole body. So in her case, you look, so again, this is what we remember as, and this is not our fault. This is not society's fault. This is nobody's fault. Think, and again, I'm hoping this is something you pick up as a line of thinking and everything. You watch that fight perhaps once, perhaps three times. But you saw the highlights if you're a large consumer of fighting. You saw the highlights five times or six times or eight times. Now I saw the highlights like 30 times because I'll quickly give you an overview of my job. Uh, I'm watching the fights at the television network I work in, in Canada. And then when I watch the fights, we discuss what we want to show. So somebody edits these pieces and then they show it to me. How's that look? I'm like, it looks great. Do you want to have another look at it? Sure, I have another look at it. Then when it comes up and I'm doing my job, well, you know, this happened and, she, and let's take a look at the highlights. As you can see, and you see this. And then again, I may watch it back to see how I can improve, and then I'll see it again. And then I'll see it on somebody else's show, and it'll pop up on Twitter. And it popped up on Twitter many times. So I saw the highlights, and most of the world cho chooses similar highlights. That's how we're kind of trained. And in those highlights, again, sorry to take the long way there, but that's what we do. Amanda Nunes, in power, is throwing big, powerful looping shots. Now, there's a l so much... And sorry to tangent, somebody said to me, hey, that wasn't even a minute. It's not enough for a one-minute breakdown. It was enough for a fucking four-hour breakdown. How and why those looping shots are the way they are, how and why the balance is like that, how that is trained, how the mindset is to do that, what is a looping shot versus a straight shot, forward versus backwards, uh, confident delivery of power versus hesitant to deliver. There's fucking 
It is unlimited and it'll last forever. There's never, we will never have all the answers. If you think you do, you've reached a plateau. So there's a ton. But so we see her in balance firing these big looping shots. See a few of them land. Then either there's a jump cut or you see still and there's more. And then you see the back shot and there's the overhand. All of it is Amanda standing in front of Cyborg fucking teeing off on her on the fence. That all really happened. Nobody invented that. It's not fake news. It's what we saw. And this is why I love to do these breakdowns and, and, uh, you know, it's a conversation for another day, but the UFC doesn't let you use their footage. You get in trouble if you use their footage. So I can't do this one. But we, although there's a little TV back here, we might have a way we can do it with stills. That's okay. But, well, that'll be in the new year. But the, the thing that you won't see in most of these, because it's not, and you might see it occasionally, but it's not, the, it's not that over and over and over stuff that's giving you a natural human bias, and we all have bias, of Amanda smashing Cyborg with her back against the fence, moving forward, drilling her. The key, the turning point, the thing that made all of that happen, you see, is Cyborg backing Amanda up, and Amanda drops her the first time. You remember that, Mark? First, first time she hurts her. Now, to be stunned is to be, is to potentially be psychologically altered. Now that that being altered is manifested sometimes in different perception, different interface with the world. You see things different. You hear things different. Your reaction time changes. Your heart rate changes. There's chemical changes in your body. That is at times what it is to be hit hurt and dropped and stunned you can you watch enough fights um and i'm sure you know most people listening to my podcast or watching are pretty deep in in fighting you watch enough fights you feel that difference that happens sometimes it feels urgent in one of them or both of them sometimes they feel like you know we'll hear all kinds of good terms that are used when people describe it. they're discombobulated they're buzzed uh what are some ones joe likes to use joe's fucking he's the rocked best. rocked that's a good one. Oh, she's rocked man she's still buzzed he heard him yeah he, he she's hurt he or him. he's hurt that's a good one because not everybody we all have different connections to what's happening he's on right? weak knees what's that yeah wobbled yeah. wobbled is a good one He's what are we saying yeah. yeah what are we really saying well we can sort of so our vision says cyborg is fucking wobbled buzzed stunned hurt whatever our what we see is that we recognize it but what is it like for the person well as i said a lot of things could have changed including your connection to reality, to your, your senses, to your, to your understanding of what's happening. You add some panic. Amanda said, I saw everything. Sometimes you don't see everything. Other times when you get hurt, you fucking laser zoom right in on it and you do see everything. So you're altered. But the one that did it is, not, is the reverse of what we've seen over and over again. We saw the outcome we saw the moments before the outcome, but the moments before the moments before the outcome is Cyborg moving forward and Amanda catching her with Amanda with her back to the fence. Go back and watch it. Actually, if you have it in anywhere, Mark, pull it up and, and watch it and, the, it and then kind of clue, clue in what you see. And Mark may not have easy access to it. It's pay-per-view. It's very hard sometimes to find these you know, legally find it as a as a highlight in a way that has been presented or whatever. Yeah, but it's already been taken down from Reddit. <laughs> it's already been taken down. And, and hey, this is their company. We live in a time where certain people 
you know, of a last generation and a new generation view, you know, intellectual property and access to these things entirely different. A 14-year-old right now is like, what the fuck do you mean it's <laughs> it's intellectual property? Because they consume things of a new generation that looks at that as a barrier to a, connect, a connection to the fans. But regardless, Mark may find it, he may not. But the key, actually, if you go up tsn.ca and you'll, you'll look there, don't turn your volume on, but I think our guy did clip the first one, and it's fast, but clip the first one where you do see that it's, that it's Cyborg pushing and Amanda catches her. The reason I'm harping on that, and the reason I took the long way there, one, I took the long way there in hopes that sometimes when we see something on the news that we've seen 40 times, but we didn't see what came before it, it gives us a frequency bias, see it over and over again, we apply meaning to it. That guy's saying that thing, he, therefore he's evil. People are just doing their best, right? But we have a frequency bias and, a, and a, there's another one, recency bias. The thing we just saw and the thing we saw a lot becomes our truth. It's not our truth. The truth is that big one, the turning point one, is during the pressure of cyborg. And again, I apologize. Sometimes people feel like I you know, hit things over and over again. But I, it is my belief that recognizing the words that somebody says or recognizing image or whatever. And you'll, you'll see it. It's me talking, but then as they cut to it, look at the first one and it's reversed. You'll see, you'll see cyborgs back. Uh, Nunez is back yeah. towards the cage. See that? That's, that's the key to it. Yeah. Th that's actually, or from what I know, yep. that's when the whole being technical went yep. out of the window. Yep. It turned She's into buzzed, a firefight. Yeah. Or wobbled or fucking and there's so many good ones. And yeah. and they are good words. They are really it's really good verbiage to to tell us something's changed. Mm -hmm. But we don't often look into what that thing is. But so then we see well she's become less technical. She's seeing the world different. Anybody who has taken a hallucinogen in their life or had been in a state, whether sometimes it's extreme fatigue or any number of things, suddenly like everything's kind of fucking different. Yeah. You know, you haven't slept in 36 hours. There's a lot of things, right? I know it's typically when they get disoriented yeah. like that, there's typically three reactions. Yeah. Either the fighter will bite down on the mouthpiece, yeah. swing back. Yeah. Second, the fighter will retreat and shell up and now become a defensive shell. Yeah. Or third, the fighter will actually yeah. back off, re- recalibrate get get the legs back under them and then yeah. continue on yeah. so there, it's typically three there scenarios. are others those are common ones those there are, are others ones, including yeah. it's a conversation for another day but when you get hit uh, and you uh, suffer some type of concussive trauma there are times and we've seen it you've uh, talked to a football coach dude got his bell rung and he went out and he murdered it right. where you're actually your brain as a tool to protect itself makes you perform in an even higher level Bisping yeah. uh, against Anderson Silva yeah yeah. Bisping's done and then he's back and he's sharp as hell and I had that experience once where things that I couldn't do I was doing after I really got hurt worse than I've probably rarely been hurt and suddenly everything is working and you don't your brain's almost taking you know overriding itself and we've seen that before somebody's just been dinged and suddenly and mike's a good example to come back and win that round but sometimes you've seen it in just a phrase like in three or four think and suddenly they're hurt and everything lands you know um 
this might be to a lower extent, but Uriah Hall actually talked about it early in his fight. He says he needs to get hit a couple of times, get angry to really get yeah. into it. Yeah. Obviously, you yeah. don't need to get rocked to get into it, but yeah. it is to a yeah. certain extent. That so that far. can be a slightly different. Well, no, it can be just a gradient of the same thing. For it's some people, spectrum. it's like their brain doesn't have to be feel that sustained impact that we may measure as damage where they just need that little focus sometimes comes you know fear and adrenaline are are can be negative but they can be very positive and sometimes you need to be literally slapped into the state you need to be in it's like when you go to the optometrist yeah. and they put those lenses yeah. on it's yeah like, which one's better it's like that final teen lens Think, yeah <laughs> and everything is all focused yeah. so uh, so, but in this case, she's got her hurt now. So that, the we saw the outcome. We saw the moments before the outcome. That's Amanda teeing off on her against the fence. And the key is the moments before the moments before the outcome, which is when Cyborg is coming forward and she gets dropped. That moment there, Mike Brown, uh, who is a good friend, he's become a good friend. I admire him greatly, I always have. He's, uh, for a long time, he was one of my very favorite fighters of a group of fighters that were very inspiring to me as somebody coming up to fight Mark Hominick, who he fought, uh, Uriah, all this WEC era as I was small fighting. Guys. What's that? The small guys. Yeah, you're, small, you're small Yeah, guy. Cub Swanson, you know, these smaller guys, Jorgensen, like there was a crop of them, Demetrius Johnson, who came up as I was becoming a, a fighter in their weight class and the WEC was the, the greatest in the world. Anyway, so Mike has also... Uh, I love talking to him, uh, and you've met Mike, yeah. um, because the, w one thing we do very early in any conversation we have is sort of nerd out on how fighting is so cool and this and the obsessiveness of finding something deeply curious that you just never get enough of. And he's like, yeah, you know, once I found it, there was like nothing else in the world. And so I relate to him. So we did a breakdown, and you can actually see it if you, I think, maybe... On Twitter, you search Robin Black, Mike Brown, TSN. You might find it. There's an edited, worldwide edited version. We did a breakdown of Holloway and, um, and T-City, how that might go. So on the cab ride back, Mike's like, look. He's like, you know, Cyborg, and other people have said this, but to get it from one of the coaches that's in, you know, and he wasn't in her corner, but throughout their gym, they all, you know, um, they all have input. He's like, Look, Cyborg is brilliant. Nobody's saying she is, and she is, and, and she could come back. This is something I talked about in Periscope today. We'll, we'll touch on it briefly. Uh, and beat her next time. And, and this is not a knock. She is a brilliant, wonderful athlete. Um, but a key to being great sometimes is you don't, you can see reality a particular way. Now, if you're a Cyborg, everyone you fought, you're just you're just so much more powerful than them. You have more horsepower. You can generate more force. You know, you have the ability to hit harder through the creation of harnessing of energy. So like I said, it I try to get away from saying she has so much power, ungodly power. Like you don't have these things, you create these things, right? But so she is able to do all of that. And when she pushes people back, uses power and aggression and they hit back they're not as strong as her. They don't hit as hard. They don't have the ability to generate the force. And they're not as physical. They don't have the, the physical attributes that she has. And well, well, with her confidence and her skill and her physical attributes, she's able to push them back and overwhelm them. And, and Mike's like, you know, Amanda, 
he's, and he gave many different examples as, you know, we had an hour-long cab ride together from this piece of what it's like for certain, you know, male athletes to hit pads or, or tie pads or hold the bag or, you know, uh, um, do drills with. And he's like, no woman that he's ever seen has is able to generate Amanda's force. And again, I'm sorry to, to harp on it. That kind of force, power, whatever we want to say, it's rooted in technique. It's rooted in technique, um, or at least deeply connected to it. And you'll hear arguments sometimes about that statement. But I don't know how that's possible, because highly educated, and sometimes you even hear coaches argue it, um, but it's just a a doctrine or a belief system that they've had, but because they'll say, you know, oh, that God-given power, and it's like those the every great coach every single day they have seen people improve their ability to create force, to hit with impact, to create power. They see it every single day. The way they see it is they become more mechanically efficient and they improve their technical abilities, and then power goes up. If the discussion is. Who has the highest potential, physical and genetic potential to create power? I will definitely agree that some have higher than others or some start higher than others. People just with crazy balance and, and strength and musculature, sometimes like, holy Shane, fuck, they don't have any training in the head heart. Shane Carwin. Yeah, yeah, Shane, Shane Carwin. But I'll tell you what anyone who worked with Shane Carwin will tell you is the better he got, the more power exactly. he created. Scary. So you start higher, your potential is higher, but it is directly connected to skill and mechanical efficiency and technical ability. And so he was talking about that with Amanda. And he said, Cyborg or anybody Amanda faces will, has never been hit with a technical blow delivered by somebody with the attributes that Amanda does. And then he added uh, something that we've seen mentioned, and you've probably seen it, and you've, you've heard. So I'm certainly not the first one passing on this idea. But Mike's like, dude, she has fucking big bones in her hands. She has big bones in her feet. You look at her rib cage. You look at her pelvis. Yeah. Like, this is a big, strong, powerful athlete. And because she doesn't look ripped... Athletes, sometimes we associate with how athletes look, not how athletes are able to perform. And so anyways, you put all those things together and what do you have? And yes, this is the long way to say she's got crazy power, but I, I do it because it's the right way to understand it. You know, saying something is blue is not the same as sky blue and light blue and understanding what pigments make up blue allow you to connect to it deeper. But so now you've got somebody who's moving forward aggressively, who has a, their connection to reality is I'm bigger, stronger and can overpower anybody and they can't really hurt me. Right. Cyborg's feeling is like I can't be hurt. So and if I'm hurt a bit, push forward harder and I will overcome. And that is 100% the wrong way to fight Amanda Nunes. And the other thing, too, the people that have hurt her aren't yeah. in her field. Clarissa, uh, Clarissa Box. Shields, yeah. boxer, Julia yeah. Bars. So. And how did they hurt her? Superior technique. Exactly. Right? But in Superior her mind, technique. no MMA yeah. person can touch that's me. Right. So. That's right. Yeah. And that's not wrong. It's not arrogant. It's not ego. No, it's no. the reality yeah. that it's formed her, around her, reality, her experience. Yeah. Yeah. Reality is connected to your experience. So Cyborg isn't doing anything wrong. Uh, but suddenly that reality is not true. Um, and, you know, it's an interesting one because Holly Holm wanted to pick her apart. And Holly Holm is technically brilliant to do that. Just couldn't, you know, yeah. just, just can't put that together in that situation to try to find a way to make that happen, right? Um, the way to beat her is to, to turn it against her. 
you know, and, and they did that. Um, but go back and watch the real, the key, you know, uh, I, where I work, it's, it's called TSN. And, uh, you know, from the time we were kids, the TSN oh, turning, the point, turning point, the TSN turning point, I mean, <laughs> hockey or like, you know, basketball or whatever. The TSN turning point is she's coming forward. Amanda's moving back and needs mm -hmm. to catch her powerfully driving in. Once she's hurt, now I can throw. And if she just throws back or is not sure what to do, I'm going to defeat her. So it was brilliant. My, my one last and it was a tangent thought. And I, I did. I will congratulate myself because I normally can't save it. And if I do, I forget about it and don't come back to it. But I did want to touch on this. And it was something that I go up on Periscope. It's at Robin Black MMA on Twitter, which also will get you to Periscope. I'm at Robin Black MMA on Instagram as well. Um, and we were chatting, and I get really great ideas and really get great perspectives from, you know, um, a small but mighty group of fans, sometimes 30, a few hundred at a time sometimes. And... Uh, you know, somebody who's, we go to, you know, the greatest of all time. Is she the greatest of all time? Greatest woman of all time. And uh, the women fighting in the UFC is so short, and it's such a young uh, thing that, yeah, 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 she is. I mean, sure, why, how, how are you going to argue it? Uh, and why, why are you going to argue it? But if we go back to that era, was Chuck Liddell or Randy Couture the best fighter of all time? I mean... Yeah, at the time they were, right? And it's about the same in the evolution. But that's not in no way trying to undermine this woman's greatness. But what I am offering, I got that from Chael. Chael likes to say that. He's like, you know, I offer you this. <laughs> and he said that to me while I was interviewing him for DAZN. And I was like, Chael, you are one charming motherfucker and a great conversationalist. I love Chael. Uh, if you uh, send Chael hello from me, I love that guy. Uh, he's been very good to me. Um, Chales will say, I offer you this, and, and I do offer you this. Um, Demetrius Johnson undoubtedly is one of the greatest fighters of all time. I still think he is. Um, he ran through Henry Ceuto exactly, probably just as quickly. Uh, two yeah, minutes? Around the same time, yeah. Felt around a minute. I can't remember. Again, recency bias and... And highlights tell lies to us because we see the highlight, but we don't see the moments, which is why one of the reasons I, I really, I find, I feel importance um, in trying to get the one minute breakdown right, breakdowns right, is find something that led to something rather than just the thing. Um, but Demetrius ran right through Henry. Uh, and if that was the end of that, well, he's the greatest and it's undeniable, and he just blew this Olympian out of the water who can wrestle, and it didn't matter, and he's unbeatable. Well, two, you know, a year and a half to two years later, Henry beat him in 25 minutes. This isn't a unique thing. This isn't some bizarre outcome. Every one of them is different. I'm not saying Cyborg would defeat Amanda Nunes next time, but it would be a different thing. And if she did, what does that mean? Is now Cyborg the greatest of all time? Because she avenged the loss to the greatest of all time? Yeah. I mean, it's so young, right? And it, there's certainly nothing wrong with exploring these conversations. I, they're fun and they're, they get, let you, you know, play back and forth with other like-minded fans. But I'm, myself, I'm interested in, in, you know, if we look at a 50-year period... What do we learn from this five-year period in here? And if we do look at it from 1990 to 2040, and Amanda Nunes' biggest impact is from 2015 to 2020 or 21, where does that fit? Well, that, that's unwritten. 
But in the context of it, and somebody said this to me today, they're like, you know, fans are fickle. Every week there's a new goat. <laughs> it is true. Uh, we do do that. Uh, we do it because, and, and sometimes that's the only conversation that feels like it matters. But it's not. It's also partly why, you know, everyone wants to be a two division champ, and then we got to go to three, and then we got to go to four. I got I get emails from Mayweather Promotions, uh, you know, talking about fights, and I was telling Mark this last time I saw it. It's like two division champ Badu, Jacks, you know, and then it was somebody else said five division champ. I'm like five, but you know, what's that? Twelve pounds? Yeah, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But still, it's like once we get to that point, it's like thirty. This can't be our only measuring stick. Are you the greatest of all time? Was that the great, that up elbow, is that the greatest knockout ever? It's like, if it is, next week there will be a greater. And if we keep zoning in on only that, then every week something will be the greatest because it changes, constantly improves. And we'll get pretty tired of that. You know, it will, we've, there's deeper meaning always. And I'm not looking to undermine that. And, and Amanda is the greatest right now. But sometimes staying on the same rhythmic beat of what does this mean over and over again prevents us from looking different and we can do that uh i'm always leery to do this but you know my friends who are on one side or the other politically who watch news it's like i can't believe he did this this week and they're like oh and it's like why could you not believe it it's like this type of <laughs> of confrontational controversy has happened every single time i talk to you in a six-month period i talked to you eight times and each time there's been some crazy thing you can't believe happened it's like this is the thing because people are addicted to the drama and the sitcom yeah. and the yeah. soap opera of it they want the the main character to turn it yeah to you know to turn a page to turn a For corner sure. it's like, it's and the main funny. character you know does the main, does it matter if they aren't the greatest of all time? Of course it does. But if the only metric we're looking at, the only meaningful metric we have is how many division champ are you? Well, 30. Okay, that's pretty cool. Are you the greatest of all and, time? Yeah. And the other you thing, know? too, the, with this whole greatest all-time talk, I think we need to expand it more into just wins, losses, and dominant victories. I think your impact. For sure. How many people yeah. have you? How many mini me's have you created now yeah. in the you know in this yeah. game? Because Anderson and, and John Jones have created yeah. many yeah. mini me's. Yeah, true. And but I again, it's like there's no right or wrong way to talk or to think or to explore or to debate or you know to provoke ideas. Mm -hmm. But a good a good idea is to try as many as possible. Yeah, to try as many as possible. Um, but for me. Holly Holm had more of an impact on the way people fought, mm -hmm. men and women, anybody, than a lot of other people. She is she the greatest of all time? Well, the fact, and of course, I'm a sucker for her. So please, that's a bias. It's a human bias. Um, but the, one of the reasons is because of that influential way that she fought. But she did lose these fights. So we, she cannot be the greatest of all time compared to a Shevchenko. Well, what if she can't? We can't have that. But what amount of influence? Well, how many people wanted to fight because of them? How many people, you know, follow their ideas? Like, and Stephen Thompson changed fighting a hell of a lot more than 99.9. Um, but... Is he the greatest of all time? I mean, Tyron beat him twice. He cannot be, according to the, the structures. That we, so if we remove that part of the conversation, not that it isn't valid, but just take it out of there, it'll allow us, we'll go, well, now what can we look at? It's like, I don't know. Good. It's good that you don't know. Yeah. 
It's good. Let's try some things. Let's let's peel and see what's there. What's Stephen Thompson? What's Stephen Thompson? Uh, um, you know, responsible for it's like. Well, bro, he lost twice to Tyron. That's true. Is the conversation over? Doesn't have to be. Anyways, this is what this is what we do. So, uh, brilliant fight. Key turning point. Um, you know. Standing up to somebody, it would be great if you could stand up to, you know, if any fighter can stand up to. Who's the heaviest hitter? You can stand up to Cain Velasquez. You know how to be Cain Velasquez pushes forward. He'll be different now, but Cain Velasquez always pushed forward, pressured you forward, smashed through, and tired you out. You know what would be a great way to, to beat Cain Velasquez? Push him back and tire him out. Well, great. You know what I mean? Great. Yeah, I mean... But that's very hard to do. You have to have the the, the right approach, idea, training, be all in on the philosophy, the attributes, the skills, and Amanda did. So it's not like now we know how to beat Cyborg because the next person cannot do that. You know, they can't. Could you study Amanda and emulate her? You could. And then you'd say, well, the key to it is I need to be able to hit with that kind of force. Okay, well, let's work on that. How many years will it take us to be able to strike with the power, generate the force that Amanda can? Maybe we'll never be able to do that. So, you know, there's no answer. There's no permanent answer. And that's beautiful when we watch fights and it's cool in life. This means you have to keep learning and keep growing and keep shifting and keep pivoting. Um, but that can take us into John Jones versus Gustafson. And uh, it can take us in because... When we looked at how Amanda Nunes beat Cyborg, the we had a plan that could work, and we had the tools to do it, and we could do it today. Okay, we could we had the things necessary, and in those moments we could do it, and that's that's how you win, right? And and that sounds simple, but but I think I teased at the beginning. That we with John Jones and Gustafson, I wanted to talk about sort of what is a game plan or what are tactics and what are strategies and what is that? What is all that stuff? Because if I say, what's the game plan? You kind of know what I mean. And I kind of know what somebody else means, but we don't really. You know, the, for, for Greg Jackson, it's incredible, or Dwayne Ludwig, there are incredible complex layers of plans and sub plans and, and second routes and back doors and, and reactions to reactions are all part of the spider web of the game plan. For other people, it's like, I don't study my opponent. I want to do the things I want to do. And what I want to do is establish my jab, push him against the cage and work to get the takedown. For someone, that's a game plan. For somebody else, it's a complex web. And for somebody else, it's perform a certain way. So why am I, what am I getting at? This? What, where am I getting at here? Um, if there was a game plan, if you could beat John Jones with a game plan, then Mark could beat John Jones, right? Yeah. I mean, if it's the game plan is the thing. It's something to follow that'll give you, yeah. get you to an end destination. Yeah. That's a map. Result. Yeah. Like if I go up on Google Maps and I put in, you know, uh, the, uh, the, a Greek restaurant on the Danforth, this thing will lead me there. And I will be there eating delicious um, souvlaki. Yeah. Souvlaki, yeah, really fucking tasty with that. What's that sauce? Tzatziki. Tzatziki, yeah. <laughs> like we'll be, di we'll be dining <laughs> on that stuff, and it'll all be great. There's the game plan. Enter it into here. Follow the instructions. Eat souvlaki. 
game plans are not like that when you fight John Jones. Because if there was, everywhere. you could beat John Jones. What's that? So there's detours everywhere. There's fucking detours <laughs> everywhere. There's like, yeah, there's construction going on in there. There's fucking bombs going off and stuff. There's no fucking game plan to beat John Jones. Does that mean nobody can beat him? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But, and again, again, there's a couple times today we've we've talked about this. There's a question we're going to do Ask Robin Black coming up. And then uh, we're going to touch on TJ Dillashaw for five or ten minutes versus Henry before uh, we wrap today. But there's a question in here that we were chatting about before. And I was like, let's talk about it for five minutes and it'll become an episode of Water. And this will too. And uh, Water sometimes will go and we'll get the whiteboard and we'll, we'll map out some possibilities. But, you know, we got to break down and it's different for everybody. And there's no definitive you know, system of explaining the step-by-step game plan because it's art. That's like saying, how do you make an app, right? You start, there's work involved, these things, but every app is made differently. How do you paint a painting? What's the game plan to a painting? Well, some people get the thing measured out, design something, and some people literally throw feces on the board, right? I mean, this this is art. Right, and it's like saying, "How do you beat John Jones, or how do you beat Amanda Nunes?" Well, what's the game plan? Game plan itself is an undefined idea. That's what we're getting at, and uh, and I'm writing down a thought here because game planning, the art of game planning, that's going to be the next water. Because I'm going to play around with that over the next couple of days. Because that just hit me as like, oh fuck, that's cool. Because you can't just game plan and then make art. How do you make art? What's the game plan to starting to paint this picture? Well, to for some people, it's, we'll start with you know um, an easel. What do you call the the board that you paint on? What do you call it? Uh, canvas. Canvas. Then we'll select a canvas. Then we'll select colors. Then we'll select our tools and we'll paint. And that is definitely a game plan that some people take in painting. And other people are like, I'll find a, a broken something from piece of brick from the street and i'll like take a piss on it and then you know Shout what i mean just do yeah it, <laughs> and you just do but that's a game plan too game plan itself is not a thing there's an art to even creating the game plan before you execute it right so it's, it's a long winding road and uh that will be an episode of water and and i'm really looking forward to it but what's my point um well you're fighting john jones one of the one of the key series of things you might like to accomplish, and that's a way, that is a, a way some people do it. What are the things we'd like to accomplish? And one of them would be to, to not, to create enough tension or pressure or busyness in John Jones' mind so that he has to focus on what's happening, not focus on learning and, and adjusting, Right? However you want to phrase that. You know what I'm talking about. We want to make a scenario. Basically, we want to do the opposite of what Alex did in round one. You want to get on him. You want to push to him. It's dangerous, of course. You want to engage him. You want to give him threats to deal with. You want to try to overwhelm his CPU. You want to give him as many possibilities as possible that he's, the possibilities themselves become dealing with okay is he kicking is he punching where is he going not that you think those things but you have to deal with those things what speed is he working at what rhythm is he working at what range does he want to play in you know is he moving forward or back does he is he aggressive is he patient why is his hands open you cannot phrase these questions in your mind but they have to be 
they're real. It's all real, all there in front of you. If you do that to Jones, and if, please dot, 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 if, if, that's huge. That's a huge thing here. We'll come back to this. If you can do that to Jones, we might be able to prevent him from doing what he did in round one, which is win the first three and a half minutes of the round and then spend the next minute and a half and go back and watch that. I, I loved it. That last minute and a half of round one. That guy did fuck all. Purposefully. And brilliantly. Brilliantly. You watch that. If you think back to that round, you're like, did Jones do nothing in the last minute and a half? He did nothing. He threw one left body kick from Southpaw. And just before he threw it, I was watching with... Um, with a uh, producer at, at TSM before we before I went on the air. And uh, I'm looking at it going, okay, now he'll move that way, now he'll move that way. He threatened just enough times, make it look. Then And as he moves there, he'll throw a left body kick, and all of it unfolded. Because at with three and a half minutes in, if I do nothing, I'll win. Better than doing nothing is make it look like I'm doing something and make him threatened. That, was, that minute and a half of nothing but a body kick and it might only be 58 seconds. It might be a minute and 10 seconds. I don't know, but you'll see it when you go back. It's fucking brilliant, man. Once you're at the point now where I won the round, didn't have to do too, too much, has, have you uh, thinking, have you worried about what's happening and can make the judges and almost everybody not, not notice that I didn't do a thing, but ride out the round and come out of there incredibly confident with my hand up? It's fucking brilliant. It's brilliant. It's, it's a whole lot of, you know, and it's so deceptive. It's like nobody... Or not nobody. Not many people looked at that and said, holy fuck, he's just, he's Jedi mind-fucking all of us. And he did. And then from there, now he's got Gustafsson uncertain and has hit my friend Peter down the hall, a Swedish who's watching that fight. He loves Gustafsson, as you would, you know, often cheer from people from your home country. And he's like, why didn't he? That takes us back to the if. If he can pressure him, if he can overwhelm him, if he can engage Jones's mind. The reason it's an enormous if, a giant fucking glowing in the middle of Times Square if, is because it's really fucking hard. And that's where we get to, what's the game plan? Well, it's this. Well, how the fuck do I do that when he's got a game plan too? And he's really good. And, you know, I looked at it and I admired it at the time and I admired it last night and I played around with it this morning. And it's like... It's not just you versus me and your skills versus my skills and your, and your game plan versus my game plan. It's all those things. Yet, like, what is it to outperform somebody? And that's what Jones did last night. He outperformed him. Well, made you not do the thing you wanted to do, which for Augustafson was get Jones off his game in the first round. Did it in such a way that it won the round. Did it in such a way that it left round one with knowledge and the round and I'm unhurt. And then, I, then you move into round two. Now you got him at distance. You got him uncertain. There's this weird thing, and trust me on this. Anyone, anyone who's ever fought or, or you know, coached or sparred even a fair bit, when you get to this point, I think we've talked about it before, and a lot of people have seen it, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Any, this, everybody's had this experience. If, you got, if you're longer than I am, you got longer kicks and you got longer punches, I need to be inside. What I must do is go there. But there's this feeling of safety I get outside. And I'm unsafe because I'm closer to you doing something than I am. 
So I start to get out there where it's where it feels safe, but it's unsafe. And Gustafson did that. So now Gustafson on the outside. So then John goes, starts kicking his legs, and there's a few. Go back. Fuck. There was one or two in there. Like, oh god, oh, oh. the calf kicks. The, yeah, yeah. And it's, the bones. If you've met John, like. I don't have anything I, like the bones of his legs are like very, very big wiry. and strong. And he's like got these long, powerful appendages that's like connected to it. He's built for this, right? He drives those things into your body. Now you're outside. You must get closer. But now it's harder to get closer because my legs are all fucked up. And then he starts kicking him in the body too. And there's a knee in the body. And he's playing around where you feel safe outside. And then he pops in with an elbow. And then you go back outside. Fuck, it's really unsafe close. It's safer out here. It's a lie. Your brain is telling you. Your brain is telling you a lie. It's trying to protect itself. It's like, fuck, I better get away from here. But your job is to get in there. You're trained to do it. You want to do it. You want to win. So you've got this brain trying to prevent you from doing the thing you need to do because of what John did to you. All this shit's going on. And all, all the yeah. while, yeah. He, he's throwing those low kicks to set up the high kick. Yeah. Now it's coming up here and it's going down there and I can't where, move back and I have the, it's dangerous in. He, he gets be. even closer. All of that's happening, yeah. right? You, how do you prevent that? Well, that time is long gone. Now, there you can make adjustments, things, catch them, all kinds of stuff. It's not a foregone conclusion. But the best time to prevent that was early when I over tried to overwhelm John in this way with pressure and aggression, which Gustafson had some of the, the key things necessary to do that. You know, experience being in with him so that he could start a little quicker sometimes for some people. Um, you know, a, a, a strut, a swagger through leading up to it that I, we're going to deal with whatever and I'm going to get in and destroy him. It wasn't, it felt like what he believed. Uh, but here we are. We're three and a half minutes in. We lost a round. He gives that last one away. He learned a bunch of shit. He's, be, he's now comfortable. He's back in the game with a round in the pocket, knowing where I am. And now he's got me at distance. And now he's got my leg fucked. And now he's hurt my body. And now I better get in. But I don't know yet if I can, bink, takes me down. The whole plan, you know, and, and you talk about game plan, regardless of what the specifics were, were, and we'll talk about the art of game planning, and it is an art. If anybody tries to tell you a game plan happens like this, and these are the, 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 the um, you know, the pillars of the ingredients of a game plan, it's for one team or person or coach, completely different for everybody else. A game plan is a fluid, ever-changing thing. And some people who used to coach back in the 90s will say, oh, game plans are like this. And somebody else will be, what's the game plan? Keep your hands up and chin down. <laughs> and fuck, if you win, that was a good game plan, right? Like, it's an art form. The, the, the art of creating a plan. Then, it's a fully different art form. Adapting. Learning. You know, improvising. And all of these are different skills. If you can take John out of having those skills start to unfold, because as they do, his confidence gets bigger. Now you're hurt. He's confident. He's got, like, you can feel what I'm saying. Everything starts fucking snowballing. You, feel the, you can feel the momentum shift. You just yeah. see. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and, and momentum is not something you want to be a, um, a victim of. And you don't have to be. Uh, if you have a few things go wrong, you can approach the next thing is doesn't have to be informed by those, right? Psychologically speaking, you know, getting it at five takedowns stopped doesn't need to inform you about the next takedown. You can approach it as a, its own unique moment. Um, but it's hard. But And certain other parts of, of momentum, like pain, 
and damage to your body, some of those are unavoidable. That's great sports psychology coach. I don't have to be a, a victim of, of momentum. But if my leg's all smashed, that's real. That's, yeah. not, a, that's not a theory, yeah. right? So now leg smash, body smash, he's confident. It's all soaring, and he gets the takedown. All of that, if, if you sat down with whatever structure, whatever art form, they lay out what they'd like to accomplish, it was basically that. And that doesn't mean they had the better game plan. Because you know what the right game plan against it is ABC or or it's whether it's an ABCs or or one two threes or a do re mis you know like an artistic way to do it a, a musical approach whatever your approach is there's a way to beat John Jones and as I say that there is an asterisk like you also got to have your greatest night ever like you also have to be just brilliant but Gustafson could have been it's possible he had there were scenarios in which he could do it but. Game plans don't fight each other. Humans fight each other. And humans programmed to approach things a certain way. They're still humans. Fucking John Jones is still standing there. He's still fucking kicking me. And like, holy shit. And I'm saying things like in interviews, I'm saying things like, you know, I fought him last time. I was surprised how well, you know, that he wasn't that strong and wasn't whatever. Holy fuck. I don't remember getting kicked like this. You know, you're still a human being. You want to go forward. And that's the other thing. Maybe, you know, there's plenty we could do here. There's a little plenty of discussion we could have forever about one of the greatest fighters ever in John Jones. But but uh, uh, he's, you need to beat a man on a night. It's, it's, your game plan ain't doing it, and your coach isn't doing it, and your team isn't doing it, and you know you want it. Yes, of course you thank the team because of their how they prepared you, and of course later you say we came in with this game plan, and of course all of these things, but you still got to beat that guy today. And uh, well, that's, fuck. that's the scary part. Jones, for all intents and purposes, appears to be the best game day performer we've ever seen yeah. in the cage. Yeah, so try we've so never deal seen with him that on an off yeah. round. Yeah, OSP he performed he as he would explain it and as others use in a in a sort of a cliche way to explain it is he performed down to the level of the opponent because right. that's all he needed to do and that's it's not your job to fucking do jumping spin kick somebody it's your job to win and get back to fighting Cormier or whatever your your goal was that night he's on the day it's like you know fuck man imagine that can he be beaten of course he can all all people can be beaten uh will he be beaten maybe not um if he stays too long for sure he will if he if he you know stays in the game too long um but and shit you know you still can be knocked out a, a clean shot into the right place delivered in balance i mean cormier's knockout of stipe uh that moment Jones has those moments, too, on the break where maybe there's a shot there, but he's usually the one getting it. Fuck, he's good, man. So good. So cool is to this, see. Yeah. yeah. It's just a shame that the light heavyweight division's not as stacked as the other ones for him Who, to, you know, to Yeah, fight. it was when he came through. along. Yeah, that's the thing. He's already ran yeah, through everyone. It was when he came he's along so as a kid. You know, shit. But there'll be, there'll be more. There'll yeah. be more. And there has and, to be. Yeah, there has to be. And the new ones come up with a knowledge that, that he has. You know, the new ones come up with a with a, a understanding of what it is to perform in the moment and what it is to overcome fear and anxiety and and what it is to face him and, and just realizing you're facing a body type and a and an, a series of 
choices. You're yeah. not facing the greatest ever. Not tonight. It's just a, it's just that. You know, you certainly can't fa- beat the greatest fighter ever if you think he's the greatest fighter ever. You've got to think yeah. you're beating him today. But amazing, amazing fight. And uh, and both of those were. And it was cool to see, you know. Um, but, man. It's a great way to end up the year. Yeah, it really was. It was a really great way to end the year. Um, let's, let's do a... Uh, Ask Robin Black. Let's let's take a few key questions from for Ask Robin Black. End of the year uh, thoughts. A couple. We'll start out maybe the next week with a few sort of best ofs, or maybe we'll I'll just put together a few memory things, or we'll try to do some kind of year starter next week. Uh, but Ask Robin Black. Look at a couple questions. I feel a little mentally tired. That that uh, you know last night was long, and I was there till three in the morning, and I didn't. Uh, only slept four or five hours and but uh it was worth it like it was a lot learned and and you see start to really see things differently over time um but yes ask robin black take a couple of of questions for ask robin black and then we will uh take just a few minutes to tease up uh er, very early thoughts on tj versus henry um if you're just joining us for this segment, we talked about it in, uh, actually, no, I was going to say, Woolman7242 said, all outside stuff, stuff aside, how good is John Jones? Well, if you're just joining us now, go back and watch the UFC 232 or listen to the UFC 232 recap, and you'll hear how good John Jones is. Um, Buckley I.O. Psych, at Buckley, capital I, capital O, Psych. What title, who I met down in, uh, where were we last? Where, where was... Uh, Shit, I don't remember. New York? Uh, for the last Where show. was I on the road for, uh, I think it was, I don't know, maybe it was New York. Uh, but good dude. He, um, really nice guy. Made, made a point to come down and, and say hello. Uh, what title fight that you witnessed in person stands out as the most memorable to you? Um, that's a nice end of the year one, but uh, ever is, is a cool one. Uh, I'll tell this story quickly because I've told it before, but uh, fight-wise... The moments of seeing people overcome, and 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 the moments of of some brilliant series of choices and series of sort of expressions of what somebody can do to overcome somebody else, it is it is the reason that fighting is so incredible. But from a title as a title fight, often it is the feelings of victory that are so neat that go with it. For me, I don't. I don't really care about these belts that much. And I care even less now that there's, you know, two or three per division and, and, you know, people having two and three is, is not uncommon. It's like, why would it matter to be a two division champion? Well, it's, you know, because one's not enough. Right. Yeah. And then once you're now at a point where there's two, three, Dan, you know, Amanda, uh, Connor, uh, it's even having two is really not going to be all that. Honestly, it just yeah. it, it means something now if you were yeah. to defend both belts. Yeah, not yes. just not just claim yeah. them. Defend yeah. both belts. A fight. Be a dominant yeah. champion. Yeah. Both. Beat the best yeah. person. That would both. be amazing. Yeah, and that'll happen once it's where one upmanship is a part of when every everyone has to be the goat and everything has to be the biggest and everything's the best ever. You have to keep one upping. That's the nature of of the issue. Uh, if if we are selling. And celebrating mostly outcomes, the outcomes have to become bigger all the time, uh, which is part of the root of why I enjoy these things so much is I'm not so, 
attached to the outcomes. They don't matter. I don't really care who's the greatest ever. And I don't, it doesn't really, and I'm not disliking it. It's just, I don't connect deeply to that. I connect to these moments, the little human elements of the stories inside those moments and the history of their life to create the ability to have those moments. That's what I'm attached to. But, but in title fights, there's that and people achieving a dream. And today when somebody's got that belt and they win and it's, you know, it's, it's an incredible thing. Even if Michael Chiesa were to become the welterweight champion at the end of 2019, it's, it'll still be achieving a lifelong dream, but he in his life has seen 60 or 80 people achieve that dream. It won't minimize it to him. Well, then maybe it even will, because he doesn't know what it'd be like to be the only one in the world who had it. But, but, uh, but it will to us. We will look at it and be like, good for him as a fan. We're thrilled for him. But it's, it just doesn't have as much as it, it did. But special. It won't in be as special. Yeah, years yeah. ago, you would see the, the insane, like, barely human joy that people had. And, and when Shogun beat uh, Leota, oh, Leota yeah. um, which was Toronto or that, Montreal? That was Montreal. It might have been Montreal. Was Montreal. I was there regardless. And, and I came back, and, you know, it's a big boom. And they had 25 minutes of really close, and he thought he won the first time. And, yeah. you know, the judges, well, that, maybe the first one was in Montreal. No, 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 but, Shogun won in Montreal. Yeah, Shogun won yeah. in Montreal. Uh, it's hard. Forgive me. You know, we get... It's a great, oh, it's a beautiful yeah. thing to say, but sometimes you'll travel so many times you forget which city it was in. But, but after the first time, twenty-five minutes, and you know, a lot of people believe Shogun had won. But wherever the first one was, the judges didn't maybe see under connect to leg kicks. Mm -hmm. So even in rounds where most people who fought or or knew fighting on a deeper level would be like, "Wow, that was a fucking Shogun round! What a heavy round! Man, did he destroy that guy's leg?" and um, Newer boxing judges would be like, he didn't land very many punches and wouldn't really connect to it. Anyways, irrelevant. Lyoto won that one, and, and congrats to him. Comes back, and he knocks Lyoto out. And the celebration was insane. And then in the 10 minutes after, he does an interview. Other things happen. I do shoot something from my job, whatever's going on. And I go into the back, and there's Shogun. And he's crying. He's like bawling, bawling. And he's wearing no shirt still, just his fight shorts. And he's carrying, and he's carrying it over his head and he's dancing and he's singing right and he's fucking singing some crazy brazilian celebration song with like three or four of his guys on either side and you recognize these people some were his training partners there's a translator that was always around i think marillo uh, his brother was there and they're dancing they're doing some crazy like dance singing and they'd go by and you'd be standing there and you're like wow that's incredible and as they disappear out of your sight you hear the singing go a little quieter then you go back to whatever you're doing working and just because they're the arena is a circle, and then you hear out of this side, you hear it start coming again, and then he comes, and he's still bawling incoherently with tears everywhere, doing some weird high-kicking capoeira fucking dance, bawling their brains out, and you were looking at it and going, now that I, that I can yeah. feel, right? That I can feel. Um, and, uh, you know, like, that guy had been everywhere and he'd been a champion everywhere and uh, i think forrest ended up taking it no no who who beat uh, shogun was it rampage who ended up beating shogun didn't matter in that mm. moment he had achieved a lifelong dream to add to his other accomplishments from all over the world and dedicating his life to it and it was incredible the other one for me the more recent that's years and years ago the more recent one when george beat mike 
And I like them both very much. I was traveling with George doing a documentary and Mike is a friend and I admire him greatly. Um, and uh, seeing that one kind of go down like that and the witnessing the fight and the high level that it was and the complicated in many, many, many complex things happening in that fight. And yet also many simple broad strokes things. Um, and although George was a close friend or is a close friend and I, I had been traveling with him for months during a doc documentary, I went to Mike's after party uh, um, and not a choice. I don't think I was invited to George's uh, or I probably didn't have one or if he did, I wasn't invited. And I, I know he actually did go to the hospital. Remember he had a yeah. he had a thing in his stomach, so I don't even well, think he went out. Yeah, no, he had to go to the hospital for the cuts, but that's all. Yeah, thing. that's when they also found he, he oh yeah, that's right. I talked to him the next he came day. Out with it after. And uh yeah, he didn't um he didn't disclose it. He didn't didn't go out that night. Yeah. He yeah, I, I forget the polite French Canadian way he said I was shitting blood. I don't know what yeah. the I don't know what the right way to say that <laughs> is as a incredibly polite Canadian. <laughs> um but uh, and then Mike was down but he was already I was cool he was already really able to you know appreciate everything he had done which was really cool um, but uh, man so many but thank you for asking TJ's uh, win that night too he yeah. was like that was a really good big yeah. moment yeah yeah that was, he was like that, the second and, uh, and then Rose beat yeah, Rose, Rose beat, beat yeah that was a fucking hell of a show New York City. Watch New York. Home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go home and amazing. watch that one too. That was yeah, pretty that was incredible. A really good card. Yeah, Rose beating Joanna and then TJ and uh, a, a crazy night too. Like from from a, even a working standpoint, from a fan standpoint, Rose, you know, performed amazingly. TJ versus uh, Cody was an amazing fight, and then George and Mike, just such a tension-filled fight and such a a lot of you know, huge swings in the way that fight was going. But then even after, like, you're done, your fan part is done, but then you're still doing your job. You know, um, Cody started crying while I was talking to him just because this is how much this means, especially the younger fighter. You're young, you know? And then George has been taken out in an ambulance and, you know. That was his first pro loss, too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but yeah, to lose to T, like your first pro loss to the guy you absolutely you, hate. You hate, yeah. yeah but nice. he handled it well. Cody's Cody's a smart guy. He's gonna. There's still a lot. There's fuck barely any of his story has been written yet. Oh like there's God. so much more yeah. and uh, so much more to be written. But uh, Buckley, I O Psych, thanks for that, man. That, that's a nice year year ender. Um, uh, oh, while he's at it, he goes, "Can you recommend two to three books worth checking out?" Um, well, I can't recommend them yet, but I actually have, my father-in-law gave me this and I'm quite interested in it. Um, and I'm going to read it and I'll, I'll talk about it maybe, um, maybe in the next show a little bit. If, if it carries off into something, I'm, I'm looking at some concepts. Sometimes these books, um, how you'll read it would be very different than how you would read it, have read it five years ago or five years from now, because it'll take into account what you know and questions you've developed based on other things you've been exposed to. Thinking is a thinking on top of thinking and learning on top of whatever you know your bed of knowledge on a t uh, subject. But even if you don't have you know aren't looking at at martial arts from this standpoint, which is the, the standpoint I'm intending to look at this, it's called Meditations on Violence. And um, by Sergeant Rory Miller, a comparison of martial arts training and real world violence. And so 
the as I've been glancing it and reading it, there's a lot of, on a, of if we go hard one way, uh, what does Rogan put up? Uh, the fake. Uh, what is hashtag uh, fake news? No, it's like martial arts that's that don't work. Oh, shit, uh, whatever it is, it Bull, bullshit. Yeah, Joe, um, pulls out these like I don't know where he finds <laughs> them, but I mean, I do know where he finds them because, among other things, people probably send him like, Joe, you gotta see this. Uh, because even my one minute breakdowns, I get a dozen a day now from people, it's hard to even go through, so he must get a thousand yeah. <laughs> like in a week. But he finds them and then he'll say, like, look at this, and it's just you know, nonsensical stuff. And <laughs> the funny ones are when guys actually get hit. There was one in a fight, and the guy oh kind of was going in with some was, sort of theoretical was the, the old Chinese guy. No, I've seen that one though. That where, one was where, yeah, where the guy's like beating him up, where he's trying to do some kind yeah. of. Yeah, I don't know. You don't. You don't got to beat up a sixty-five-year-old guy. Like, just let him, you know, be caught up in his delusion that this martial the the martial art that he's dedicated you see him his fans. You should just yeah. back off. Like, yeah. you should let Connors yeah. kick in. Like, no, I'm not. Like, I don't want to do this. Yeah, but but so there was a guy like he comes into like a ring of a kickboxing fight, and he's got his hands down, and he's ready to go, and the guy's just. Oh, this is what, boom, <laughs> and just like, so that's on one side, and on the other side is, you know, real world experience from a martial artist in a, his prison environment, but he studied war and fighting and mm. stuff like that, and the reason for me this is not, be, I, of course, I'm interested in how combat happens in the real world, because I've studied combat in all its forms, and it's my deepest curiosity and my passion and my job, but I'm looking at this from the, the area in between, you know, uh, sport combat and, you know, the experiment that is mixed martial arts and other forms of free fighting is a slightly controlled world, but the realities of violence are a part of it. Fear and anxiety and being injured and the desire to over, you know, all of the truths of it. And so it is somewhere between, really, you know, whether we're talking about the UFC or Ryzen or wherever you want to go, it's lying somewhere in between somebody trying to kill your family to steal your food in another, you know, in a war-torn world and somebody training in a gym with a weird ancient gi outfit that, you know, somewhere in there is where what we enjoy and study and analyze lies. And so I'll read this from the point of view of that wide comparison, but I will take what my decades of looking at this part and I'll blend that into it. So I'm really interested in that. Um, and then there's a book I always like to recommend. I'm gonna go back and read it, because again, I'll, I'll read it differently. It's called The One Thing, and David Mullins gave it to me. I have one around the house, but I don't know where it is, but O-N-E, The One Thing. And it basically looks at the, like the truth concept that you really can only do one thing at a time. When you're multitasking, you're doing one thing, then one thing, then one thing, then one thing. You're not doing two things. And your brain, and so a third book I'll, I'll mention is called Deep Work. One thing and deep work will connect. They're very different books, but those ideas will connect. Um, and if you wanted to become, let's say, a UFC commentator, let's say that was your goal, uh, that is a very difficult goal but if you can break it down into many steps of things well to be a ufc commentator i would have to get hired to commentate i would have to become a very good commentator to do that i would do many you know hundreds of 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 doing it well 
Um, and to do that, I got to do it the first time. And to do that, I probably got to fight. And to do that, I've got to train. And to do that, I've got to get fit. And you work it all the way down. And truthfully, when I started, you know, my 10-year plan to commentate the UFC, I started down here. And I didn't, it didn't matter. I didn't know who Dana, I'd never met Dana White. I'd never met any of those guys. I had no connection to it. But it didn't matter if I started with get in the gym and train and get in shape. That was my first thing. And after you got enough, it was like, get better at jujitsu and then do some jujitsu tournaments and then improve your skill and then, you know, do some kind of uh, shoot fighting uh, tournament where there's some striking and some or wushu or sanda or whatever. And then from there, do that and then have a pro fight and then have another pro fight and then win and then do and then meet somebody and then get a job. And then, uh, oh, I can't get a job in and I couldn't. In, in mixed martial arts or commentary or any of that, I couldn't. So it was do that job for free. And then even that was difficult. So you keep working your way back and you find one thing and you do one thing and one thing leads to another thing, leads to another thing. And now I'm 27 steps along the way. And you also know that the target may change. You know, be UFC commentator may phase off into, you know, work for one championship or wherever. The one thing may change, but you can only do one. And a lot of the time... A lot of us, and this is not judgment, we do it, we see it, we do it ourselves, our friends do it. We, people are like, I want to start a business. Well, to start a business, you know what the first thing is? Start a business. Like people, you know, and you'll have this conversation, very normal, it's a, it's a function of, a, of an overwhelming option world that we live in. It's like, well, what kind of business should I start? Well, fuck it, just start one. And then that one will transition to the next one and that'll turn into another thing. And well, first I wanna set up all my shit. It's like, no, first start it and set up a, a podcast, start that. And once the podcast is started, make a Facebook page. And once the Facebook page is made, you know, and tomorrow you'll do one thing, go back and do another podcast. And then you listen to it and realize something's fucked. And then you'll go and fix that thing. It's just one thing. It's always one thing. Anyways, that's a really great book. David Mullins, shout out to David Mullins. He recommended it to me. I'm going to read it again. It's very useful. There's no, no arguing that you can only do one thing at a time. <laughs> you really can't. Um, and then Deep Work actually does look at some of that, the action of what happens when you are checking your email and then you're also on Instagram. You are not doing them both at a time. Your brain needs to engage, check your email, disengage, re-engage on Instagram, do the Instagram, disengage, re-engage. If you do both of those things for 20 minutes, uh, but instead you did one for six and the other for six, you would accomplish more. You'd have only spent 12 minutes. You'd have eight more minutes to do some other thing, some other one thing. Anyways, go read them. Uh, it made a big difference for me and I'm still no master. My fucking scheduling skills have all deteriorated over the last few months because things change and I got out of the habit of, you. all you can do is, and also while we're at it, um, New Year's resolutions, just fucking nonsense, don't even bother. Just find one thing, just find one thing and stay and do that thing. Do that thing for a while and by all means don't make six New Year's resolutions. I'm going to lose weight and I'm going to work out every day and I'm going to fucking go back to swimming lessons and I'm going to cook dinner every day. It's like fucking, you can only do one thing. Just do one. Anyways, uh, sorry to, to go off on, on some of those things, but they're valuable for me too because even saying them out loud, I know this, some of this stuff. I did read those books and it's very normal. You check in, you're like, fuck, I'm not doing one thing at a time. I'm doing three things, which means I'm doing nothing well. 
and I'm not scheduling with one thing, then one thing, and one thing. In fact, I haven't been scheduling at all. So these are good reminders, and it's normal to do that. Spot yourself making a mistake, and then work your way back, and you'll be fine, Um, because we're all just human. Uh, kind a kind question here. I, I touch on it for a second. I, I, it's not something I'm talking about a great deal anymore because it drives me crazy, uh, and it shouldn't because it's out of my control. But at Satanovic underscore Mickey, ask Ron Black, how is it possible you don't sit next to Joe Rogan and work for the UFC? You're clearly one of the greats of what you do. Is it because of Dana White? No, it isn't. It's because large organizations are very complicated. They're very very complicated. If you catch. Uh, the last time I caught Dana alone for a minute, I asked him one question on a red carpet. He said, wow, man, like, well put. And then a day later, he watched one of my things right here on um, on our YouTube channel. And two days later, I was in New York doing a thing for ESPN. Because fucking in his world of 700,000 things, he was reminded, oh, yeah, that guy's pretty good. And I did a thing. And then that was, whatever, 18 months ago, and he forgot. That's the reality. So again, like those books, the only thing you can do is... Not the only thing. You can do whatever the fuck you want. You can get all caught up and obsessed, and I have, trust me. Uh, but what you cannot control, what someone's doing, what an organization's doing, how a hierarchy works, who a guy hired, somebody's best friend is something that's really good, or there's fucking a million variables. What you can control is you get better every day, you grow your own shit, you get to the point that you don't need any of these people. You don't need any of these large companies. You don't need to work for Nike, or you don't need to work for you know, Starbucks or whatever, you grow your own thing so much so that if and when you work for someone, it's out of a desire to be part of something bigger than yourself that makes you happy. That's not easy. But you go back and you figure out the one thing at a time you do and you can do it. Everybody fucking that you consume that's big. The Rock started off as not The Rock. He wasn't born The Rock. He just started off as some guy. Before he was even wrestling, he was in the CFL. Yeah, yeah, you know what the CFL... I don't know if people know what the CFL is. Yeah, I don't know if people know what the CFL is, but the CFL is the Canadian Football League. And literally, yeah, I think... Back then, guys back then, people really, were making really less bad. than a kindergarten school yeah, teacher. Really, really bad. Yeah, and getting then. smashed up. Now he's the biggest fucking star in the world. We are not... The, all of us are not going to do that, but it's the same exact thing a little bit every day. I'm off on... on um, this line of thinking today, which I feel fortunate to be asked these questions because this is a good little, you know, little direction pointer for me too. We all need it. Um, and w- with New Year's coming, it ain't about making 27 improvements. It's about making one or two tiny improvements. I've been, you know, if you're not eating well, you've been eating shitty, eat a little better, tiny bit. I'm not going to fucking eat only salads and perfect meat every day, at least make it a little tiny bit better. You haven't been going to the gym as much? You got that little bit of pudge from Christmas? Go to the gym tomorrow. Let's do what Vitor did. Just yeah. add one thing. Add yeah. that spinning wheel kick. Yeah. You know, just add yeah. one thing. One thing. <laughs> hey, Luke Rockhold started taking away one thing. That's important, Ooh. too, is knowing what not to do. He Take did fucking... Look at, look at Luke Rockhold when he was fighting uh, Jacare. If I could watch him, it's like, holy fuck, that guy like throws everything. <laughs> and then for a while, when he was like beating everybody, he so was throwing calm, a left body kick so and a patient, right hook. Yeah. Right hook from Southpaw. And playing with... He minimized the menu to such a point, and you can do that, too. It's like, well, should I watch Netflix for two hours a day and I play video games for one hour a day? Well, shit, that's a whole bunch of kicks you can get rid of. You know, you know, not that, that you should, if, if it's important to you, do it. But 
it's what you get rid of too that's kind of lets you focus your, that should be yeah. one person's new year's resolution cancel one of your subscription services yeah, yeah <laughs> one no of your kidding monthly streaming what yeah. spotify yeah. netflix how the fuck are we subscribe to so many things now yeah, and, cancel one and, thing and back, a month. And, and back then when we used to call like Rogers Cable and all that. Yeah. No, you gave me too many options, too many channels. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Also, the best thing, uh, by the end of January, I will cancel 90% of my television. How I still have a large amount Honestly, of television. for live sports. Yeah. yeah. That's all we need for yeah. live sports and award shows. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there's the odd thing. Like, we like Cops. I don't know why, man. Cops is a great show. It's one of the greatest shows ever. Buy the DVD yeah. spot. That's where Cops <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> uh, you can get it on demand. Yeah. Uh, and then Erica likes some cooking shows. And there's a few things. Like, there's a couple of a things. Couple of still yeah, a couple yeah. of things. Um, uh, okay, so a couple last things quickly. Do you, at KS Tiana, Tina, T Y N A, do you think the knee kicks should be banned? No. Um, I think less things should be banned. I think more things should be included. I know that it's dangerous, but getting kicked in the head with a shin is dangerous too. Um, over time, by allowing things, you find answers to them and they become less dangerous. And it's true. Man, if everybody was getting, if you could get kicked, the, the head kicked to the, uh, a downed opponent, that's more real. That could happen if you're defending your mother from getting attacked or somebody from stealing from, you know, if something was happening in real life, they can kick you. Uh, trust me, if, if MMA allowed kicks to the heads of a downed opponent, there'd be a few of those, and it would be really unsightly and really uncomfortable for about five or six months, and, and then you'd Brandon, never see him again. So Brandon, the reason yeah. why one no longer does is because the Brandon Vera's knockout, yeah. or uh, Roger Huerta's Roger Huerta's yeah, knockout, yeah. That was... Yep. Um, it's... The reason one doesn't do it is for the, and they used to, you can go back. Uh, they did it because it's more real. It's the reality. There's a beautiful reality in martial arts when you include more things. Uh, but it's difficult for an audience to digest. To digest. Yeah. If they don't understand that these are people who love this chance to get in here for this reason and all they see is that it, it's very difficult for people. And as a result, yes, from a, from a standpoint of, of course, I want more people to experience martial arts. Yeah, sure, you can ban some things. But from a me as a purist, I want you to be able to do everything. Over time, it would never happen anymore. The more dangerous something is, the more you would learn to make sure it never happens. It would be prioritized in training. If headbutts were legal, man, the guard would be a different game. And, I, and they'd be I, used to a certain extent of efficiency. Like if you look at the Valet Tudo fights in Brazil back in the day, even though the eye gouges and yeah. the headbutts and the groin shots were legal, they weren't used all no. the time throughout no. the time. Like they were no. used at certain points in the fight for certain reasons. It's true. Uh, but this won't happen. And purist versus love of, of more people seeing it, that's why, you know, that's why even yeah. a purist, you can't have people biting each other's nose off. <laughs> Although when I uh, chatted with Rogan on one of his podcasts, we were talking about that. And his answer in, in his wild thinking mind was like well genetically you can grow those things back now and i was like well <laughs> if you can grow them <laughs> that's a whole other conversation because if you can grow them back then it's not as risky <laughs> right it's like oh my god if i could lose my nose and it's gone forever that's a lot different than i could lose my nose and in a week and a half i could get it back and go bummer that sucked you know but hey yeah, these conversations can go on forever um last question uh, at telvin kipapa is uh, Dwayne and TJ, the greatest fighter coach combo of all time. And that leads us into our final segment today. Uh, early analysis 
of TJ Dillashaw versus Henry Ciuto. And uh, how long have we been chatting today, Mark? Hour uh, and a half? About an hour 20. Hour 20. Uh, well, tr- uh, give me a 10 minute max here. Yeah. Uh, you know, hey, you don't like to have rules and structures and outlines, but sometimes that forces you to, you know, it, it, having um, structure can be a good thing. Um, so where do we start? Uh, TJ and and um, Henry Ciudo. Which will be at 125. Yeah, so it is the uh, the flyweight championship of the world. So TJ would be the fourth champ champ if he were able to do, to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Connor. Uh, two divisions at a time. Daniel Cormier, two divisions at a time. Amanda Nunes, just recently, two divisions at a time. TJ. So is that as big an accomplishment as he, TJ might have the asterisk next to it because they, he becomes champ champ and they shut down the division a week after. Yeah, if they do. If they do. Which if they, they do. Most likely yeah. Will. I don't know if they will. They might, though. Yeah. Who knows? Who the fuck knows? That's a business question. And, yeah, exactly. And uh, will they shut down that division after? And it's like, should they? And, you know, we talk about this. We often say, is it fair that this guy got this? Or do you think the UFC should have this? Or, you know, is. Uh, um, they don't owe it, it to anyone to keep the division. It's somebody's business. It's not, not ours, business, right? Yeah, yeah it's like UFC's business. There was um, uh, Patreon uh, started censored a, a guy. Yeah, um, this and said something he said was outside of the rules. It was just somewhere else in a podcast. And they paid, if you don't know it, Patreon is a place where you can pledge money in support of, um, podcasters and people. And we have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash Robin, patreon.com slash Robin black, but I've woefully forgotten about it. So I will not ask for, for your money right now. Uh, if we can circle back and turn that into something special, uh, where, you know, and I think we can now at the time we didn't, no, it was all so new to us to try to find a way to give special content. We didn't know how to shoot things and transfer things. But I will not ask for you, please. And in fact, if you are uh, de- um, generously giving money and I promised you something, uh, you feel free to, to discontinue and uh, feel free to reach out somewhere so I can find some other way to, to thank you for being so generous when we started. But um, but so there are places where you can you can give 10 bucks or five bucks or a hundred bucks in support of your favorite podcaster or, or any number of things. Right. So they said, okay, well we're banning this guy cause it's something he said. And a lot of people are angry and you can by all means be angry, but ultimately this is not like hydro or like a government th- uh, thing or Medicare or like art in Canada. You get, this is just somebody's business. Private business. Yeah, somebody owns this business. It's a weird world we're living in right now where we feel like these things. Facebook. Facebook, just some people own it, right? Like it's it fe- it's so deeply connected to our life. People feel it, like it's public domain. Yeah, you feel like this is like, you know, the world, uh, but it's just somebody's business. And Patreon, same thing. So what do you do? You're mad. Facebook's have did something. They're doing something with like people's information. They're like fucking turn them off. And don't do business with them ever again. Patreon, you don't like the way they treated? Well, then fucking shut that page down. There are other ways to do it. Dr. Um, Dr. Uh, Jordan Peterson and, and a couple other guys are creating some other place. If that's a, a way you support your favorite uh, content creators, then you can go there. Uh, same thing with the UFC. If you don't like what they're doing, uh, you and people will all the time, they're, we're, you know, we get outraged. And again, I'm talking about TJ Dillashaw versus... Um, versus Henry Ciudo, but 
as you may know, if this is not the first time, the structure is very malleable here. It, it'll go where it'll go, and it'll still be titled Henry Ciudo versus TJ Dillashaw uh, uh, Early Analysis. That's just what we do, and it's tw 2018, and it's, it's, a, it's our private business, right? But if you don't like what the UFC does, you don't like they shut down that thing, you don't like the way they fucked over people and they moved a thing, you just stop going and you stop buying it. And if you won't, or you can't, or you love it so much, then I'm sorry to tell you this, but you have to accept it. Like, or you can accept it and be mad, but you're not doing anything to them by being mad. You're doing something to you. You're like, you're still doing that thing, but you're outraged. And that outrage, that's on you. And it is, even though they did something that made you mad, they did something that was unfair or you didn't like that business practice. If you are a consumer, you, it is your right to be mad, but you're only hurting yourself. Being outraged, angry, frustrated, you know, uh, triggered, I don't know, what, how you wanna, whatever you wanna say. You are not doing anything to them. Now, sometimes if everyone goes on Twitter and triggers each other and freaks out, it feels like you're doing something, but you're really not. You know, so anyways, that's, that's down the road. But so do, should they um, get rid of that division? If it were my business, I think these are some of the greatest, most, they are the greatest athletes. They are the, you know, should gymnasts have to be 180 pounds and more? No, the best fucking gymnasts are five foot three, 155 pounds or 49. I don't know what they are exactly, but they're small, stocky, because that's where the best gymnasts are. Now, you imagine being in a world where instead of the Olympics, they were like, yeah, but people don't like them as much as when they see seven foot tall basketball players doing backflips. Fuck, that would be cool, right? It would be super cool. You imagine like, like a seven foot, you imagine John Jones being a gymnast? That'd be way more interesting. But I want to see the best gymnast, not the most interesting gymnast. I want to see the ones who like can express the art well, and I know that you don't have to see it that way. And by all means, disagree. It's totally cool uh, because you may want to see an impact or like, the, you know, like damage. Or you, there are other things you're interested in, and that's entirely cool. But, man, nobody's a better martial artist in the world than Demetrius Johnson. And that isn't coincidentally that he's small. It's this, what you can what an athlete that, like that is capable of doing, the shortened nervous system, the way that their body's created, the weight versus power ratio, all those things. That's why he's so good. Uh, but anyway, so Mark, 10 minutes, what did we say? <laughs> okay. We got about five minutes. We got about five minutes. So, uh, and, and by all means, you, you, again, you can complain all you want, uh, but this is my podcast, right? <laughs> like I, uh, I can waste five minutes talking about and not say a fucking word about this and Mark can still title it TJ Delshaw versus Henry Ciudo, uh early analysis. You know why we can do that? Because it's our fucking podcast. It's the UFC's business. It's it, This is the world we're living in. We don't get to make it our way. We, we, can, we, we take our business away and that's cool. Totally understand if you do or from the UFC or Patreon or fucking... YouTube.com slash Robin Black, but that's what you can do. Or or don't let them get to you and do not let outrage be triggered and, and harms you. Uh, so let's spend one minute on it while we're at it, while we're having fun. TJ uh, is, they're very different. 
Okay, they're very different in how they're made. Not just, and again, there is a barrier. There is a plateau barrier that is created. If we use the same language that has been used for the last number of years, evolved slightly to describe, well, Henry's wrestling, but TJ is also a wrestler. Uh, that's true. Uh, but Henry got won a gold medal. Absolutely true. But TJ, man, he, he took down Dominic Cruz. Whatever. Whatever you want to do. But TJ is a better striker. This will not give us the truth of this fight. This will not give us the truth of this fight. These two operate different. They run a different operating system. TJ Dillashaw runs a different operating system than every other fighter. And it goes back to what Telvin was saying. Is, is Dwayne and TJ the greatest fighter-coach combo of all time? I, we, if you happen to, to join us for Amanda Nunes, is she the greatest female fighter of all time? Maybe, but it's probably right now. But the sample size is so small and the amount of time is so short that let's see in 10 years or 20 years. And same thing with, with TJ and Dwayne. I'll tell you one thing about, about the way Dwayne thinks that is very, that I admire. I like that guy. I learn a lot from him and he's been very generous with me. He's not interested in this being the best him or his system being. He's interested in what his fucking game is going to look like, his understanding, the way he's going to make this, this game happen, the way he's going to coach TJ in the next round of TJs in 2030. Dwayne's like 42 or something. Do you want to look it up real, real yeah, quick? Okay. Dwayne's like fucking 42 or something like that. And you know what a, a martial arts sensei can be? A guy like Dwayne at 62, he can't even imagine. Yeah, he's 40. He's 40. He's fucking 40. And TJ's not even 30. Is he 30? Is TJ 30? Uh, tell me. Um, uh, imagine, he's interested in what he's going to become. So at this stage where he's going. Yeah, and TJ's he, 32. TJ's 32 and Dwayne is 40. So what matters, in, and, uh, and I say this all the time where... When I'm commentating TKO, we, we do it on Fight Pass, and there's this crop of great fighters, and right now this one beat that one, but that one's here, and then this guy. What matters is where these fucking guys are at 28, and they're like 21 and 19 and stuff. It's like all of this matters today. It's, it's vital to them. It's a stop on the path. It's like now I have the belt. I don't have it, but I will have it, all of that stuff. But what matters is what they can become, and they've come up understanding that all the way along and Dwayne has come up as a martial artist understanding that and TJ's developed understanding that and if they continue the way they'll continue is they're accelerating he's adding layer and layer of understanding and um, we, we had lunch together in Saskatchewan um, and he was saying I'm very careful of what I reveal out in the world what he puts on his on his online university, he said what I say in interviews, he goes, and what I'm saying right now in front of you. And I took that as an immense compliment. <laughs> like, it's like, I don't want to fucking, I don't want this guy knowing too much because he's the, t meaning that I'm the type of guy who wants to share all this. Oh, you wouldn't believe what the fucking cool shit's happening. He's like, he wants to be, you know, there's an iPhone 14 right now, but they're not going to release it yet, right? Uh, and Dwayne's got TJ's an iPhone 12, but he's only you're only letting him see. There was a game when I was a kid, just show enough to win. Did you have you ever heard of that game? Yeah. Literally just show enough to win. Uh, that's that's what they're doing, right? Like he's a fucking complex thing. Um, but the, you know how you beat complexity in theory? 
with simplicity, with beautiful simplicity. And, and Henry, sometimes you can get so, work on so many levels, so many planes, so many levels of understanding. And, and, and you know, for Dwayne, we were talking about, and this, again, a couple of years ago, so his, he's way down the road, but we were talking about, you know, something as simple as uh, orthodox stance, southpaw stance, and squared stance. And he said, that might make you think there's three stances. And he said, but really, there's no stances. So like, what do you mean there's no stances? Well, is any of them really a stance? Because it's just a moment in time. It's, it's, you could stabilize into a position en route to another position, and you can stay in that one for some length of time. But if you call it a stance or the stance or the way you have to stand, you're limiting yourself again, right? Uh, you know, we were talking about ranges. We, uh, uh, now it's very common. Only four years ago, nobody fucking talked about range at all all people people didn't even know that there was a different they didn't even it was not discussed or commentated in 2013 that there was a kicking range and a punching range that just didn't exist you know um that you know a range one is right here and a second range is here and a third range is there and a fourth range is kicking and then a non-combat range or a one step out from combat range out there that's very normal now but 2013 that people didn't know Really, there isn't four ranges. Really, there's easily eight. There's here, and then here, but that space in between, what's that? Okay, well, that's a range, too. And then between here and here, well, shit, there's a range. Now there's eight. But really, there's not eight. There's 16 or 32. And if you look at it that way, there's none at all. Like Dwayne's southpaw versus orthodox versus square. It's three stances or no stances. There's no ranges because there's all ranges. You know it's what I range, mean? Like in freeze frame, when the when the frame's frozen, yes, you exactly. see the range, but it's so fluid and so changing. And if yes, so it, Mark is saying in freeze frame, if we go from what we are calling one to the edge of four, there's not four. There's every frame you can freeze. You could call one, mm -hmm. so you could call that thirty six. But if you have a better camera, it's sixty four. It's three hundred. It's thousands. All of that's relevant. It isn't. Range one, two, three, four, boxing range, kickboxing range. And it's still talked about that way because that's the language we use. John Jones was just saying, I didn't want to keep Alexander Gustafson in boxing range, so I kept him on the outside. He says it because that's how it's described, but that's not the truth. It's not the truth. It's the, how you see it. So all of these fucking things. And these are things that I'm bringing up now and have brought up, but they're not where my mind is. There's shit that I want to talk about that's way fucking weirder than this, but I can't talk about it until if I'm discussing something as simple as this, if I get to do it through somebody that you respect, Dwayne or Faraz or whatever, you might then accept it a little bit and then it become a bit normal. And when it does, we can introduce another thing and another thing and another thing. But by the time people are saying boxer versus kickboxer, striker versus grappler, you're fucking 18 layers back. And it goes further and further and further in understanding. Once you understand it different, you express it different, you feel it different, you live it different. That's TJ Dillashaw. That's Dwayne Ludwig. And I'm just giving you a few things that don't sound completely insane right now as best I can. But there's fucking way crazier that I'm really hopeful that I can find ways to 
simplify in such a way that it sounds normal, like I'm not saying anything at all. Uh, and so it becomes a normal part of conversation because, and the, the, I'm not tooting my, my own horn, or at least I'm trying, I'm not intending to, but uh, if you go back, I was doing a breakdown of Conor McGregor and, you know, we, we ended up calling a part of it the flim flam. It's an early Conor McGregor one, you know, the flim flam and stuff. And in it, uh, I'm talking about distance management. That's couldn't be fucking more normal now. But I ask you to go find anything before that one where in any public written, um, particularly video or audio, where if somebody used it, talked about that, it just didn't happen. I heard it in gyms. I was taught it moving, but it just wasn't a part of the conversation. It didn't mean it didn't exist. It's just nobody talked about it. And if nobody's talking about it, then nobody's really hearing it. Nobody's understanding it. We, we think in terms of words. I mean, I've said this before. Try to think of any concept that you can possibly think of without using words. It's very difficult. Our thoughts are formed based on words. And until one or two of us take something as fucking today as simple and, and principled and basic as range management or distance management, now everybody's, oh, yeah, um, you know, um, uh, Stephen Thompson's fantastic at distance management. Well, shit, that fucking Bruce Lee talked about that in the 70s, but it wasn't discussed in a, you, you know, a, a setting of talking about combat on television. Now it is. But that isn't the be-all, end-all. Now we know it's just distance management. All he's got to do is keep him at distance. It's distance management. No, that's that layer. There's fucking three, 50 more layers of comprehension. We just can't discuss them because they sound like nonsense until you get a layer or two together that they make sense. You know, so get somebody to show you a computer in 1963 and describe it. You can't. But if you explain this is a typewriter to this and information travels this way, you just do it slowly. And fucking, if I think on some level, I understood, or I, I do have concepts that I'd love to get across, but it's going to take a lot of work to do it in a meaningful way that'll, you know, hopefully enlighten people and make them love martial arts more and study in a way that might help their lives the way, you know, my life is not perfect. Nobody says, but it's a lot better because I studied martial arts, it would be a shit show if I didn't. It would be a shit show. I wouldn't fucking be able to sort out anything, but studying martial arts helped me do that. So I'm hoping that's what happens. If, you, if I think that I've got a few layers that I wish I could get to but can't because I'll sound like a lunatic, fucking Dwayne shit is so far beyond that that you would just think you would literally, if he was talking to whoever his key confidant is, or if he, even when I speak to him and, and he's kind enough to give me some of his thoughts, you'd think he was schizophrenic. And I don't say that lightly. You would literally think he's not in touch with reality. He's talking about planes of stuff and, and the way that you manipulate time and stuff. But once you understood it, it wouldn't be insanity. It would be very fucking sane. It's what is happening. We just don't have the words or the understanding or the, the base to understand it. Anywho, TJ Dillashaw versus Henry Ciuta early uh, analysis. I haven't really looked at that fight much. I've danced around it. But that's what I'm going to try to find some ways to get across some of the simple principles. I can't explain what Dwayne and TJ are doing. Nobody can. 
they can explain what they're seeing. Very intelligent people that like you know love to study martial arts can explain what they're seeing, but that doesn't mean you can explain what they're doing, not from their standpoint. However, we will try when we get to this. I will outline um, those a few key things I'm working on. I'm trying to simplify a complex idea of good fighters um, uh, discover, decipher patterns, and great fighters make good fighters believe they've deciphered patterns. It's not a complex idea, but I want to get it across in such a way that on TSN, I can demo that in a cage for people who just came over from watching Canadian Football League. That work will allow me to to dig in here a little bit different. Um, maybe we'll try to get Dwayne on the phone too. He's so brilliant and it's so, I, 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 I'd like to. We can do a Skype interview with yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we could. Yeah, I'd like to believe that I have some questions that I can ask him that you would find interesting that he's not asked often. Um, but so Henry is brilliant. Henry's different. Henry thinks in on different planes and in different approaches. I've spoken to his coaching staff at length in the lead up to the Demetrius Johnson thing, off the air, off the record, had conversations with them about it. They're brilliant. Different. Complexity isn't always better. It isn't always better. I'm sure Dwayne has found ways to go complex, simplify, complex, simplify. That's what true knowledge is. But how do you beat complexity? Is you Sometimes you beat it with simplicity. You get really fucking good at the things that Henry's really good at. And that's, that's where we'll start the, the early conversation. Um, but I thank you for, for humoring me. This, uh, this stream of thinking thing is very, very pleasant. And it's a real gift and it's very helpful. Um, not just getting, pointing me in the direction of the next things to peel and the next places to look and the next thing to try to figure out how to explain so it doesn't sound either like nothing. Because if you don't understand something, sometimes it just sound like nonsense. If somebody tries to explain to me how a carburetor works, I'll be like, that guy didn't fucking say anything to me. <laughs> you know? Um, but it could, or it can sound like gibberish. And, the job isn't just to understand fighting or to make fun one-minute breakdowns. The job is to do the the psychological, the mental labor to find simplified ways to explain complex ideas in ways that not only do they not sound complex, but they sound like you knew it all along. That's that's what the goal is. Um, but it's also, you know, something as simple as recommending books will remind me to go back and look at things that are helpful. And so I'm really thankful. Thankful for going into New Year's. I'm thankful for this podcast, and I'm thankful for you guys, and I'm thankful for Mark always working so hard and and getting better all the time with us. And uh, 2019 is going to be a very big year, and I appreciate you coming along for the ride. And I, hopefully, I can bring some value to you on the ride. But until next time, Happy New Year! Enjoy the hostilities, my friends. <laughs>